McLean here with what is sadly turning into your regular content warning that this episode contains discussion of sexual violence uh, with not new details or anything, the same old scandals, but it, it is in the episode and uh, yeah, just heads up for that. listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and scrambling to get 100 points of ID for a podcast so we can keep our social media. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to know that I'll no longer be anonymous when um, I finally get outed as a poster by Peter Dutton, which we will talk about later on in the podcast, but... (laughs) (laughs) I just, yeah, I think there's obviously a lot of comments about that. We'll get to it. But the one thing I keep thinking of is what about all of those accounts that have been started and are started for like a board game? Or something like that. And just this idea of like coming, like having to petition to Peter Dutton to be like, yeah, it's not a real person, but uh, it, it is kind of important for my entire livelihood and business. Like, no! <laughs> give, me no. A dri- give me a driver's license for this podcast or fuck off. Who's that video game? Who is it? <laughs> <laughs> now you've started, I accidentally have a really good point. What about all the Twitter accounts that have started for like McDonald's? McDonald's is a person now. Who's McDonald's? Who is McDonald's? Does that McDonald's HR person, PR person, have to put their real name and address there? Yeah, Lang, unfortunately, you're right. Dutton is somewhat correct in saying that all of those accounts should be shut the fuck down. Yes, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, if getting brands off Twitter means we have no Twitter, I'll take that. Fucking just the McDonald's tweet of like the the watery eyes with the two fingers like, so we Dutton, can we please keep our accounts? (laughs) No, you're horrible. (laughs) Fuck off and die. Just tweeting at... Peter Dutton's social media account, who has also just been like verified as Peter Dutton's like social media manager, is just like, look, I get paid four dollars an hour. <laughs> he keeps me in a dungeon. I'm so sorry, McDonald's. You can keep your account. I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Some good news to start the week. Um, in a historic ruling, the federal court has said that <clears throat> Afghan villagers can testify in the defamation case of Ben Robert Smith with his alleged war crimes, and they can do so from Afghanistan, which is fucking amazing. I'll be real with you. Like, it never occurred to me that they wouldn't be allowed to testify. (laughs) Yeah. I I just assumed that, like, you know, if they were the victims of his crimes, that they would just testify. Yeah, they are the witnesses that helped break the story about the time Ben Robert Smith, decorated Australian war veteran, among other things, kicked a handcuffed person off a cliff, allegedly. Mm. Allegedly. Allegedly. Is, I, I think the reason that they they <laughs> might not be able to testify there is because while they were witnesses to that, allegedly, you know, if it happened, if he did it, the the, the this isn't him being prosecuted for doing that. This is his defamation case. The, the, the issue at hand here is whether telling him that doing that was bad is okay. <laughs> like, and, 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 and the witnesses to, to that, that cliff kicking are not, you know, qualified to respond to that. that yeah. yeah, they're not subject matter experts. Australian law's fucked. So, yeah, if you want some background on Ben Robert Smith oh, and boy. his illustrious alleged war crimes, check out our EP46 that we did, Rough Chuckles, which uh, goes into 
pretty much everything that he's alleged to have done and also why he's a big old gronk. Um, but I actually remember Evie at the time when we were recording. I might be wrong on the exact details, but I'm pretty sure you were saying, oh, fuck, I hope he goes for this defamation case. I really want him to do it. Go on, dickhead. Make everyone have to present all the yeah, evidence of your war crimes, you big fucking thing. idiot. And now we're doing it. Literally the whole point of defense <laughs> to like a defamation suit is like, you know, truth is a defense. <laughs> and so now this is the best possible outcome because everyone who knows everything about what he's allegedly done is going to come forward and say, yeah, he did that. That's the, that's the crazy thing of just like, if you have a, if you're making a defamation case against say like the ABC or whatnot, what you want to be going in there and doing is going like, Hey, look, they defamed me and they ruined my public perception by reporting that I kicked a handcuffed person off of a cliff. And usually the defense is, they defamed me because I did not do that. Now the, the general population think that I, I did that. But his defense now <laughs> is falling apart because it's like, they say, I kicked someone off of a cliff and that ruined my reputation. And the defense is like, yes, because you did. <laughs> you, be actually, you actually did that. And he's like, oh, don't <laughs> ask him though. That's not fair. No asking. This is just a continuation of the whole idea that now it's generally sort of accepted in Australia from the general public at least that defamation is basically protection for rich people who have done something. 100%. It's not like necessarily a defense of people's reputation in the false accusation sense. I mean, there is like, you know, the occasional high-profile victory where, uh, you know, someone actually does, uh, is vindicated uh, for having been said that, you know, they've done something that they haven't done. But a lot of the time it really does just feel like, you know, rich people who just don't want their shitty stuff broadcast. Mm. Is the fact yeah. that defamation is a law for rich people the reason why it's a law that still kind of works? Like, yeah, it's hard to prosecute absolutely. someone for, a, like, a war crime or, you know, <laughs> a wage theft or something. But if you can trick them into a defamation case, then you're like, oh, ho, ho, you've stumbled into actual functioning legal protections. I, I mean, my broader sort of hot, hot legal take is that the legal system is a system for wealthy people, full stop. Mm. Like, we have legal aid. Oh, we yeah. have the, the ability for, like, you know, people who don't have the means to pay for legal services to do it, but it's very difficult to procure. And then you end up representing yourself in court, and more often than not, that doesn't necessarily work out to something that's in your favour. So my well, sort of, like, broader view of the legal system is that all of it is for wealthy people. Yeah, I mean, you don't see Brett Walker SC getting up in the morning to defend, you know, Aboriginal women who have been sent to prison because they did pay a bill mm. yeah. you know <laughs> like, historically you that's not even a hot take that's just factual laws started defending like white landowners or you know the the upper class landowners and ever since we had those laws put in place from like you know after a feudal or tribal system it's very slowly like little concessions have been given to the rest of us and we've clawed away at that system but 100 percent it's for rich people. It was started by rich people. Rich people make the laws. Like, like the House of Lords in Britain is just it's lords making laws about lords. Blah, 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 blah. Like, it, yeah, it's the whole the whole thing is garbage. And like, especially defamation should be something that is open to everyone. Evie, you'll probably remember his name, but the the guy on Q and A that was savaged the the um the person on Social Security who was oh, yeah. savaged for weeks. Oh, uh, Justin Storer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
He he didn't have a good chance at all at any point to get like a fucking an SC representing his case at federal court for defamation. It's like fucking yeah. of course he didn't. And just think of every other sort of uh, situation in which a private citizen has been, you know, um, put up for, uh, you know, uh, ridicule and death threats by the right wing. Those uh, two young girls who travelled like crossed the Queensland border with the Mm. like the 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 enemies of the state that were plastered on the the front page of every fucking paper. Yeah, they were even used recently again. Yeah. They were yeah. used again in the papers when they were talking about a separate individual, which they still <laughs> told lies about. But for some reason, instead of Wild. using his face to, like, you know, castigate him individually, um, they still use the faces of these two young women over again. Like, it's a very specific usage. And yet the Attorney General is able to use taxpayer money to bring a defamation case against the media. <laughs> but nobody else is. I really love that our episode covering Ben Robert Smith's like alleged war crimes like fifty episodes ago or whatever was called Rough Chuckles. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm so glad that we've got away from the rough chuckles since then. <laughs> just purely covering just wholesome topics like rapists in parliament every fucking week. Ah, Australian politics, so lovely. How young and naive we were back in episode 46 to think that was the pinnacle of Rough Chuckles to the point where we needed to name the episode that to warn people these days. Oh, God. Surely the the lowest we'll go is murdering children. No. Someone spare a thought for the comedy podcast. There's always deeper to dig. Now the bit about war crimes is the funny bit we do before the sting. Not even the funny bit. This is a good news story. Is (laughs) that in a a defamation case... Which oh Ben Robert God. Smith will still probably still fucking win. Victims of his fucking alleged war crimes can fucking right, give right. them. Ah! Yeah, thank God that Peter Dutton is now minister for defence. Ah! Guys, <laughs> fuck. Guys, this is we're, we're too early in the episode to get this head up. Like, save some of this energy. I can't gonna, sustain like, this. I gotta cool down. I feel like a fucking horse race announcer or an F one <laughs> commentator, just like. Ah! Ben Robert Smith is really legendary. I'm just going to do a little midi sting of Orinoco flow so that we can be in a, in a good mood for the next segment. We gotta, we gotta boil this frog slowly. Like this might be some listeners' first episode. I thought they said this was a comedy podcast. They have led with the war crimes. I think the way we can justify, I'm, I'm making use of the fact that I'm leading this next segment to just say my bit. The way that we're justifying the comedy podcast thing at this point is we are so deep in the gallows humour. <laughs> That's the thing. That it just bounces off us. This is the, oh, do you think that murdering children is funny? Do you? Do you think that rapists in parliament is funny, huh? No! I think they're the most horrifying conceivable thing and I need to constantly be making jokes at all times mm-hmm. to be able to think about it for more than a second. That's why it's yeah. a comedy podcast it's because there's no other fucking way to talk about it without our souls dying not not to get into like the the politics of what is a good joke but that's seriously the crux of it of like you know people have like since time immemorial have used this kind of humor to just deal with something extremely traumatic and terrible that's why you can tell a joke about it because how the fuck else am I going to deal with like you know weeks and weeks and weeks of this shit? <laughs> yep. If if putting a if putting a Groucho mask nose on the abyss lets you stare into it, maybe that's <laughs> yeah, what you've got to do. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> 
we took a, a scheduled week last week to talk about Joel Fitzgibbon, which is an important topic, but while we weren't paying attention, well, we were paying attention, for the last couple of weeks, there have just been oh, so many stories coming out of the government, which are not news to anybody who has been paying attention already working in the government, but yeah, turns out the government has this whole, like, Last Days of Rome, Sodom and Gomorrah, like <laughs> Babylon kind of <laughs> sex cult thing happening, apparently. Like allegedly. 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 Alleged Babylon. It, um, it could be it could be height of Rome. Who knows? It could be ah look, ask Nero, he allegedly fiddled while fucking Australia was on fire. Um so we're not going to list all of the horrible things that have happened because everybody else has listed them and they are legitimately, like, they range from disturbing to monstrous. But finally they got so bad that the Prime Minister was forced to admit that there was a problem. Um, and it's wild how bad they had to get for that to happen. And so he finally, you know, got in front of the press, was like, oh, okay, so... Maybe things aren't great, you know, uh, women have had a tough rap, but at, at no point did he, like, kind of admit that, that this was his fault or that they hadn't been doing enough. He, he immediately went, well, I've got a mum and a grandma and daughters and they're powerful and, and the world is hard for women. We should probably just put in a, a little clip here because he turns on the waterworks. Criticise me, if you like, for speaking about my daughters, that they are the centre of my life. My wife is the centre of my life. My mother, my widowed mother, is the centre of my life. I owe them everything. And to them, I say to you girls, I will not let you down. Yeah, specifically in relation to the fact that everyone jumped down his throat when he said that, you know, oh, I talked to my wife about this and, and she said, what if it was your daughter? And that oh. finally made it made sense. And everyone went, what that the That really brought fuck? it home. Yeah. And so and in this the- speech, he said specifically, criticize me if you like, just doubling down on it and then put on the waterworks <laughs> to say, my daughters are the center of my universe. And my wife is a center of my universe and put on the crocodile tears. Yeah. Really retconned it to say that, oh no, it, he didn't learn empathy when he talked to his wife last week. He actually learned that from his mother and his grandmother and his faith and just, oh, I've been paying attention to women my whole life. And I, I say, and, and, you know, women in, in parliament have had it really hard. And I say to you girls, I will not let you down. Hang on, girls. All right. Mm, we're going to, yep, they're women. A lot of these are grown, aged ass, professional women. Yeah, but he has to. He has to launder his empathy through his daughters. We've established that. Yeah. He never oh, called- my my family's the center of my universe. I'm the I'm the leader of the country, and the only thing I care about is my own family. <laughs> when I think sometimes something bad might happen to my genetic progeny, my property, that, uh, and. And so then, you know, unfortunately, he then has to open the floor to journalists who, for once, are like, ah, uh, but everyone's still got their jobs and nothing's happened. And he immediately, like, reflexively switches back to, well, I'll let you editorialise. If you were the boss of a business and there'd been an alleged rape on your watch and this incident we heard about last night on your watch... Your job had probably been a bit of jeopardy, wouldn't it? Doesn't it look like you've lost control of your ministerial staff here? Well, I'll let you editorialise as you like, Andrew. But if anyone in this room 
wants to offer up the standards in their own workplaces by comparison, I'd invite you to do so. Well, they're better than these, I would suggest. Well, let, well let, let, let me take you up on that. Let me take you up on that. Right now, you'd be aware, in your own organisation... Yeah. Criticise me if you like. I would like to get fucked! Yeah, how <laughs> dare you? Specifically, for, for this, he put on the waterworks... Um, the Crocodile Tears, which I will begrudgingly give a quick shout out to Jed Kearney from the Labor Party for also saying that on ABC. I will say, about mm. six hours after I tweeted it, so mm, I don't know, maybe she's not following, but... <laughs> yeah, she's paying attention to her constituents. Yeah. <laughs> I am tweeting her every day. <laughs> say it! Um, but um, <laughs> call Joel Fitzgibbon and cunt to the Hanson. Um, Do it. Scott Morrison was trying to keep up this facade until mm. someone specifically mentioned his leadership and how if he was a boss at a private company, mm -hmm. this would reflect really badly on him. I mean, not that private companies ever do anything about it necessarily either. Oh, like, I, I, no, I, no. I just get really like, sorry, I had to interject because like it really annoys me whenever someone's like, well, if this happened in the private sector, someone yeah. would get fired. It's like... No, they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Scott Morrison's like, I wish the government was a private sector institution. <laughs> Every single one of my actions for the last eight years has been indicating that I wish it was just a private company. If this happened in a private company, I wouldn't have to give a press conference. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, th this this idealised version of a private company that everyone holds up and knows what the that version is and everyone knows that it doesn't work like that whatsoever. But uh, through that... He then, uh, so the person that asked him this question about if he was, you know, if he was in charge of a private company, wouldn't this reflect badly on his leadership? Why shouldn't he be facing scrutiny for it? Was from Sky News. Mm -hmm. And then, so partway through this speech, Scott Morrison revealed slash made up a sexual assault complaint made through HR at Sky News and News Corp about something that happened in a toilet. He was like, well. In your own organisation that there is a person who has had a complaint made against them for harassment of a woman in a women's toilet. And that matter is being pursued by your own HR department. So be, well, I, you're not aware of it. Just an astonishing moment there where he was like crying before and then somebody was like, hold on, how about, you know, actually having some integrity? And you could see him just like... Like, yeah, suck yeah. those tears back up into his eyes. He's just like, no, nah. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise you were coming here for a fight, mate. He actually said glass houses. Yeah. So let's not, all of us who sit in glass houses here, start getting into that. So 24 hours after this interview, in that whole time, like everyone was just baffled by the idea that the Prime Minister of Australia is talking about an HR complaint at a private company that, right. first of all, potentially he is outed a victim. Um, and secondly, this is a man who has, who claimed for weeks that he did not know anything about the sexual assault allegations happening in his in Parliament House itself. And mm. for some reason, he knows about this random sexual assault allegation at a company. Like, yeah. what 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 the hell? So, like, you know, mm. just complete just bafflement of how this has come to pass. And then, of course, uh, there there had to be a statement that came out that first from Sky News going, "No, there wasn't." This complaint is not real. And like, you know, you could I, I can believe or not believe Sky News on this regard. Like, I don't particularly love Sky News either. So, like, who knows what kind of allegations <laughs> I don't are happening? Particularly love Sky News. I, I'm, I'm, I'm being polite here, but like and then he had to just admit that, like, oh yeah, maybe I confused two different cases. So that's fine. Like, yeah, just that, yeah. the head out. of News Corp. The head of News Corp came out and was just like 
you are unequivocally wrong. There were two separate incidences that were both resolved, neither of which were a sexual assault complaint, and you've confused the two. And then he's just posted at 11 o'clock at night on Facebook. Oh, I'm real sorry, guys. I accept their account. I was wrong to raise it. The emotion of the moment is no excuse. It's like, it seems like you're making an excuse. Sorry, it's amazing to me that the Prime Minister of Australia has essentially gotten away with a notes app apology at 11 o'clock at night. (laughs) Yeah. And that's it. (laughs) It's also like, to say, oh, I was wrong to raise it. The emotion of the moment is no excuse. So- so what's the consequence then if you've got no excuse? Like, he's really deploying that line as though it's an excuse. Like, oh, yeah, I've got no excuse. So let me off the hook, hey. <laughs> That's yeah. like, saying you don't have an excuse isn't an excuse, mate. Not to be glib, but it really does sound like every time, like, you know, a real shit person is like, oh, I'm really sorry. I know there's no excuse for it. And then they just keep on doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I also want to point out what emotion of the moment, Scott Morrison what was your emotion <laughs> that made you lash out like that? Because, you know, were you very sad that made you do that? Or, like... Were you feeling spiteful? It wasn't an emotional moment. You were being questioned about your mishandling of a, of a very serious allegation there. By That's, the press. Why, why, is it an, why is it a heated time for you, Scott Morrison? That Anyway, God. The audacity. The audacity of being questioned... During a press conference by right. some scum. During, I think, I think genuinely it's a matter of like the audacity to be asked these type of hard-hitting, mean questions right after I cried. That what? was a good moment. I talked about my mum and my I mom. cried and you're here being so rude to me right now. I cannot believe it. How dare you? It's, he needs another holiday. Honestly, I think he is too used to just being able to go on like 2GB or something. Or going on fucking the, the cooking, the kitchen show and just whipping up a curry with a journalist and being like, oh, just a dad. Pretty good, right? That was while he was, that was while he was immigration minister, by the way. So yeah, you were right in that he is entirely too used to just fucking skating by on being a terrible piece of shit cunt asshole and just <laughs> having people being like, yeah, but he's a, he, he, you know, he cooks up a, a sweet naan. <laughs> it's like, fuck off. No, it's just the same old thing of like, you know, every every single right-wing minister has learned now that actions have no consequences and they can Mm. just do it and say, oh, whoops, my bad, and then that's it. Like even, like, you know, even when you talk about like Lemming, who like, you know, we can talk about a bit later, but even when you talk- We could talk for hours. Yeah. (laughs) Even when you talk about Lemming- What's a consequence for that? You know, he'll just say, well, I'm stepping down at the next election. That's mm. not really a consequence. First of all, you're no. still in the position of power. That's a secondly, yeah. secondly, like it's not really deplatforming if he just ends up in like some other cushy like position of power that's not the government afterwards. So, like, yeah. what's really happened? Nothing. Two hundred thousand dollar a year pension. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, what are you going to do about Lamming? And they're like, oh, well, he's announced that he's stepping down at the next election, and I think that's enough. It's like, mm. didn't he like? <laughs> Push a kid over and like. <laughs> <laughs> we can't. We cannot go into the list of everything Lamming has done because it is absolute fucking amazing worm brain psycho shit. We can't do it. We have to move on. We'll be up there for way too long, just like he was after they <laughs> shut Uluru. <laughs> it's so good though. It's so deranged. The, anyway. the wild thing here, I, I just want to rewind a little bit. Because no, we're not talking about the wild thing. Lamming's talking, out. No, no, no. I'm not talking about Lamming. I'm not talking about Lamming. <laughs> 
I just I just want to rewind a little bit because politicians don't generally face consequences for their actions. And usually Scott Morrison would get away with saying any old shit. The wild thing here is he cast a wild, loose, probably false accusation at News Corp. The one <laughs> the one entity, other than maybe the Minerals Council, that the Prime Minister cannot go getting on the bad side of because they are his propaganda wing. Yeah. And that boggled me. I, I can only imagine everyone in the room at that point went, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was like Eminem dropping that line about fucking uh, Diddy putting out the hit on Tupac. It's like, no, he didn't. He just fucking said it, the madman. But also, like... That, to me, speaks to just how bad at his actual job mm. Scott Morrison is. Like, McLean, you yeah. talk about, like, the, the fake job and the real job of politicians. The real mm. job of someone like Morrison is to... One of the jobs is to placate Murdoch and to just go along with that sort of stuff and they help him, he helps them. And to just really fuck up this badly. It's like, you are... You're not good at this. You, you have, you've got a couple of really easy jobs and you can't even manage that. Well done, dickhead. It is important to mention probably that there have been multiple documentaries made of the uh, sexual assaults happening within the Murdoch media empire. Um, and some of them are quite good. The some of the documentaries are quite good. <laughs> some of the documentaries, obviously. <laughs> oh, God. Rough Chuckles too. Hi. <laughs> um... But then to try to fix his social image, um, for some reason, Scott Morrison pretty quickly after that went <laughs> to on try to try and fix his social image. Um, he doesn't want people going around thinking he's a fuckhead. Yeah, so. he doesn't want to be defamed by the Murdoch press. So he jumps on to a current affair and um, Tracy Grimshaw commits an assault. We should point out as well that he's gone on a current affair finally after several weeks of empty chaired by like 7.30 report. He'd been asked <laughs> yeah. many he times. Literally empty chaired by 7.30. And so he completely ignored their requests and has decided, again, a strategic choice to go on a current affair because he assumed I would expect that it would be friendly or that he could they, <laughs> there would be like, you know, at least some influence where they can make it look hard hitting. Um, and look, Tracy Grimshaw did actually like do a, a pretty good job of like she questioning him. Yeah. Mm. Like she, she went hard. Like better. Uh, it, I, I expected it to be a way more softer than it was. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, there is an economic incentive now for even a current affair to go gloves off. Now, I think Tracy Grimshaw's rage and anger in that interview is legitimate. I also think that if she was told to not unleash on him, she wouldn't. She works for a current affair. They're not a good program. But the fact is we are a, a sort of confluence at the moment where Tracy Grimshaw can say exactly what she fucking wants to and it's also good for the monolith that is nine and a current affair. So she just bludgeoned him. And the, the she... The thing that got me about this interview and how hard she went is that she did a better job of wedging a liberal prime mm -hmm. minister than the Labor Party have done in a decade. She did it in yep. one interview and she fucking smashed it to the point where it got on <laughs> Gogglebox. I don't want to go into it. So we can't <laughs> we can't go blow by blow for Tracy Grimshaw. It's been a month. You see here the pattern is um, that the women are always the liars. Why wouldn't you talk to you her? You haven't asked well, to speak I'm, with her though, have you? At least read no. the accusations well, against well, her. Do you... Understand? You, you don't. What? You're not on an island. Well, you treated that march politically. So, are, are you saying really that the enormity of this issue that women deal with every single day has only become apparent to you in the last month? 
A big part of the interview was Scott Morrison rolling out his new um, respect in social media angle. If we want to see greater respect in our community, particularly respect for women, but also respect for the elderly, respect for people with disabilities, respect for people, Indigenous Australians, then we need to cultivate a greater culture of respect and how we deal with, that, with each other. It's OK to disagree, but I wish we could disagree a lot better than we seem to be on these types of issues. Yeah, and then he followed it up with a press conference the next day where he brought it up again. spoke a lot about the need for us to deal with respect in our community and, and in our society. And I'm deeply troubled by the way that social media is corroding respect and dignity in how we all deal with each other. Now, that, yep. that angle itself is not new, but it's clearly a focus at the moment that he wants to You can hear the meeting that went on in the, in the PM's <laughs> office being like, oh, my God, we... Every time we talk about why it's fine that the people who have credibly been accused of sexual assault are still ministers in our government, we we, we can't have them facing consequences. They're ministers, for God's sake. What are we going to do? Oh, I know. Let's talk about how social media is rude. That's the way. <laughs> social media is too rude. That's the problem. It's social media. And look, some of the ministers, like Andrew Lamming, when he got on the Simpsons shit posting page, have had a problem <laughs> with social media. <laughs> but most of this shit is not a social media thing. It's an in-person, in-parliament thing. Yeah. C- Christian Porter is not a, a, a social media troll. No. <laughs> But no, I do feel, just as a quick aside, I do feel very blessed that I was um, lucky enough to roast uh, Scott Morrison for this on national TV. So, hey, shout out to everyone at the ABC that gave me that little platform to do my own little like solo version of Not Good Enough on TV for a little bit. <laughs> Where do you see the cultural problem lying? Oh, I think like the Prime Minister mentioned, the cultural problem is solely on uh, polite comments online. Um, that, I don't mean that at all. That's just a ridiculous <laughs> thing that he would say. But and by part- saying that, we should refer to the fact that the, the, the Prime Minister went on to say, look, there's, there's, he thinks there's a problem with, with social media. Um, <laughs> just- and Peter Dutton actually also said, and I, I'll just read this out now that you've just brought this up, Mitch. Um, <laughs> Not to gas each other up, but I'm going to gas um, you up, Mitch, on this. But I, it, I no, did really, don't. <laughs> I did really enjoy seeing um, the fact that you spelt out how you felt about this. And um, a lot of, I, I was watching like, the Twitter responses and things and everyone's like yes thank you thank you finally someone said it mm. which is great yeah. because I do think by and large the um you know people who are engaged with politics appreciate it when someone just is like cut the crap and actually says what they mean um and there's so yeah. and there's shockingly little of that from like you know progressives as well because everyone's afraid of getting doxxed or you know or losing their job hit with the defo suit etc yeah, which is again is a reasonable fear, but also like you know, I, I'm glad that we have Mitch Alexander to be able to do that <laughs> from a position of being a white man. <laughs> Hail our glorious leader! But that's the thing; it's also just shockingly easy to fucking do. Just fucking, <laughs> just be normal. But like, just just say yeah. it. Just say the thing. Just be normal. It's fucking easy. And I, I have like whenever I've been on the drum, like the Twitter response and even the guest. It's just it's like when you've got like salami on a platter and no one wants to touch the meat thing. The first person to touch it breaks it and then everyone goes for it. You just have to yeah. be the first person to be like, this is fucking shit. And everyone's like, yeah, it is. It's it's absolutely an, an action that I think we all need to keep in mind in our lives, in all sorts of situations. If you can at all afford it, yep. say the thing that everyone is thinking. You probably might not think everyone is thinking it. It might be eating you up alive and you're going, oh, maybe no one else thinks that. Fucking say it anyway, because every time everyone will be like, yeah, 
actually, I was thinking that too. That's yeah. how shit gets done. It just takes one kind of brave moment. You got to take the salami. Be yeah. the person. But take the salami. <laughs> it's not even that big. Also, if anyone wants to donate to my defense fund, I'll be setting up a link for that. <laughs> <laughs> Because everyone's feeling a bit sensitive and a bit hurt in Parliament at the moment, um, Peter Dutton has taken the brave stand um, for all ministers in Parliament and he's come out and he said, I reckon the problem is social media and video games. It's this whole new tack that they're taking. Yeah. You know, I I was honestly, I was feeling kind of glad that Parliament was finally starting to get roasted a little bit, but then I talked to my two beautiful sons who are MPs and I started thinking, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> <laughs> Two large, beautiful sons. Oh, my boys. Yeah, the, the, the problem is like, you know, some random Twitter socialist with a rose emoji in their username called Bongcock69 um, who's calling me <laughs> who's calling me a, a big old meanie. That's the problem. <laughs> Just the idea, like the cynical notion that that's what will stop liberal staffers from jerking off at work. On depu- it's it's the it's the it's people wild. it's the people in Grand Theft Auto who are like yelling bad words. Shut the fuck up. It's God. not even the people who are playing Grand Theft Auto online. He's talking about it's just the content of Grand Theft Auto. This is Peter Dutton talking about like, oh, we should we should really start censoring video games a bit more because uh, in Grand Theft Auto you can drive cars recklessly and get a lap dance and you can go and shoot police. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, getting a lap dance is not a crime. Uh, but. <laughs> There's so much wrong with that. First of all, Grand Theft Auto is not a recent game. Second of all, we have a a quite restrictive game censorship system in place already. The the, the fucking... Whatchamacallit? The the video game that got banned recently. Disco Um, Elysium. Yeah. The the, the remake of Disco Elysium got banned like last week because it's, I don't know, too communist or something. (laughs) No, you can can apparently, spoilers, uh, split a bag of coke with a child. (laughs) <laughs> so you know Which game rules yeah, It's a fucking good game house all the time <laughs> <laughs> See my sort of interest here Is like I as someone who Fully believes that everyone who Has a lifelong ambition to become an MP Is a full nerd um, how, how likely is it What do you think the Venn diagram is of Anyone who plays cool video games and anyone who wants to be an MP, they do not connect in any sort of way. <laughs> well, also, we're not talking about people who want to be MPs. The whole problem is here is, is people who are MPs. You've got fucking 55-year-old Andrew Lamming here. Are we saying we l- he learned all his fuck shit when he was a child playing Zork the Great Underground Empire? <laughs> it, ap- it would appear that Peter Dutton is trying to make that sort of link. And obviously it's not true. It's simply a distraction. But um, it is a use. Well, it has previously been a useful cudgel of conservatives to say actually all the ills in society are due to video games. And you would have thought that this would have been comprehensively destroyed over the last, you know, 20 years of, you know, a, a rise in popularity of video games among the general populace, which has always been the case, but even much more so like video games as a much more complex medium than just, you know, Mario or something like that. But mm. secondly, um, it, it the farce is much more exposed for what it is now because it has 
absolutely no link. And so, you know, no. Peter Dutton suddenly scrambling for the first thing he can think of. Oh, uh, uh, actually, it's video games. Like, everyone's just like, no. <laughs> the problem's video games. Yeah. Don't you realise that a 13-year-old boy just picking up a random Nintendo Switch can expel Joja Mart from the sleepy community <laughs> of Stardew Valley? They're just trying to make a profit. <laughs> <laughs> Like, okay, I'm, I'm on Wikipedia now. The first Grand Theft Auto, the first one, top down. Yeah, it was violent, but it was 1997. If you were growing up playing Grand Theft Auto, even the very first one, you're about as old as me. And no one in a position of power in the fucking government or even Australia is as old as me. They're all my dad. <laughs> like... He's he Peter Dutton has gone, oh, there's a problem in society. It's the youths. They, he was this close to blaming it on African gangs <laughs> roaming the halls of parliament, doing things to desks. <laughs> Who let them in here? But not even doing things to desks because we've got like we've got proof that it wasn't them. It was lib- white liberal staffers. But the idea that the, the African gangs are going to parliament and influencing the liberal party. Oh, they're a bad. It's a bad influence. Video games. Rock and roll music. Like, it's just, it's such an archaic fucking dumb thing to say. That, you know, at the very least, though, gamers these days aren't 15. They are our age. I mean, they're all also 15. Um, they're the worst. But there are a lot of people our age. <laughs> I think the gamers these days who are playing games at 15 are just playing Roblox and Fortnite. Like, this, this, but like, my point is that, like, we're all now voters as well. So this line is such a weird mm. thing for him to take because everyone who knows that's younger than him just goes, no, it's just such a weird... Because I don't even think the olds care either. I don't think 70-year-olds really give a shit about the video games now. Like, they've been, like Davey said, they've been around for so long. It's nothing. Mm. Yeah. What He's a transparent like? scapegoat. That said, I do know that when Christian Porter was 17, Leisure Suit Larry 1 oh, came out. Fuck me. Oh, oh. oh, fuck's sake. And because he's from a background of wealth, he probably had the original copy so he could get past the copy protection and actually see the boobs. There we go. <laughs> so the other thing that came out this week um, was... Now, this is a particularly interesting one to me because it's actually it's a, it's a proposal that's come out of something completely, in my opinion, not related. So um, the report from the inquiry into the family, domestic and sexual violence um, was released this week um, and it's on the APH website. And one of the 88 recommendations was suggesting that Australians should present 100 points of identification in order to get a social media account. So this isn't actually out of nowhere. Um, This is actually one of the recommendations made in a federal parliamentary committee report. Um, This is interesting because Australia has a very long and storied history of hating the internet. I should say the the Australian government hates the internet. They hate the fact that it's basically the Wild West. Um, There have been... Numerous attempts to censor Australians using the internet. There's been many attempts to put up various filters and firewalls. Like one of my very first sort of understandings of like you know, politics as an um, as a politically engaged adult online is um, the nonsense of Stephen Conroy and attempting to have an internet filter uh, in oh Australia. Yeah. Uh, that was back in 2008. Um, so this is just, you know, just a brand new thing for Australians to be like, oh shit, here we go again. Was that only um, 2008? That Fuck was, me. that was 2008. Um, Stephen Conroy was, 
Sorry. I, 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 <laughs> time means nothing to me. You're old. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all old. Um, like you know, and like back then, um, everyone knew that a lot of the um, filtering and p- proposed censorship was also in relation to the Iraq War, and you know, mm. a, any sort of commentary against that. In, in fact, I think there was there was one point in two thousand and two. The New South Wales Police Force Minister, Michael Costa, attempted to shut down protest websites. He appealed to the then communications minister, Richard Alston. Basically, like, it, again, like, it is very obvious to the average person that any sort of attempt to filter or censor the internet is to shut down protest. Or to shut down, mm. like you know, for oh, anything yeah. that any of these people talk about free speech, they don't really like it, and they would prefer if people didn't have it. So again, this is just a new attempt at that. The it's it's basically proposed uh, in a in a bank of proposals as this will protect victims online of domestic violence and abuse. Obviously, we know that's <laughs> not true because Facebook exists, where people can have their own names and photos. And they continue to harass people. So, it, it you know, using your real name has not in any way been shown to prevent people from being fuckheads online. And it's very <laughs> obvious. The olds love it. Yeah. The it's olds also like, it. oh, what we're going to do to protect domestic violence victims is to force them to use their real names on social media yeah. so that their what like partners can find them. Yeah. I mean, come on. There is a phrase for posting someone's name and address on social media, uh, especially a vulnerable person, that's doxing. That's like the worst thing you can do to someone online because it puts them in a position of extreme vulnerability to violence. Yeah, because we know that people can be shitheads online as soon as they find out your real name, your real location. You know, you don't, like, people very specifically and for very obvious reasons do not want to put everything up online. And, uh, look, I I don't want to get too tinfoil hat about this, but this report is chaired by the Queensland LNP MP Andrew Mm -hmm. Wallace. Um, again, this is something driven by a conservative government under the guise of being think of the children, think of the women, that sort of thing, but it has no basis in any sort of uh, cultural, scientific, technological fact. Every single lecturer, um, tech expert, every single person who has offered an opinion about this in the press has been like, this is a terrible idea. It will not protect anyone vulnerable. Yeah. Have we Um, asked Twiggy Forrest? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. like I'm sure Twiggy Forrest thinks that handing over your identity documents is actually a great idea. Oh, I'm sure Twiggy fucking Forrest of the Indu welfare card fucking loves the idea. Yeah. <laughs> get him on the get him on the fucking report. I do have one very mild contrary take to all this, Ooh. which is uh, if they forced a 100 points of ID situation uh, on all social media, it would uh, probably just like kick me offline and my mental health would drastically improve and <laughs> sort of channel my sort of activist leanings into organizing in person instead of yeah. just like yelling onto a podcast and making angry tweets every now and then. I think it'd be really, really effective. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, do you know which committee um, put forward this proposal that everyone have their real name on social media? <laughs> oh I, God, where's this going? No, tell me. It's the House of Representatives Standard Committee on Social Policy and Legal Affairs. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know who's on that committee? 
So Some, someone, someone the good? chair is Andrew Wallace. Uh, yeah. The deputy chair is Sharon Clayton. There are six other members. One of them is Andrew Lanning. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Andrew Lanning. Who wants- <laughs> Smashing my clipboard. Black pilled. Black pilled. Black. <laughs> Andrew Lanning, who once spent 11 hours fighting on a Simpsons <laughs> meme posting page on Facebook. Several years after writing guidelines for politicians on how to use social media so they don't get involved in this, which was a year after he got he got bloody. This is like this is like Christian Porter for getting in a, in a shit fight about the NBN on the comment page of a newspaper is on the committee. This is exactly like Christian Porter being on the committee to review de- defamation laws. It's exactly the same. <laughs> Didn't uh, Andrew Lamming like stalk and harass multiple women <laughs> over like social media and then into in person? Mm-hmm. Like, th- th- yes. Uh, yeah. But People on social media should use their real names <laughs> so that I can find the more easily. That's his fucking stance. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Andrew Lamming. Just and this on. is the thing: the people who do the worst shit on social media often are using their real names because they are powerful old white men who don't give a fuck that you know who they are. So speaking of Liberal MPs being given portfolios and sitting on committees and writing reports specifically about their own alleged crimes or the things that they love doing that are evil, um, Scott Morrison, with all of the stuff that we talked about most recently, has announced a cabinet shake-up, which the press gallery piglets fucking love. They start hooting and hollering. It, they get their, their big jugs out with the who and it's a big party for the press gallery because some... What's the... Some... <laughs> Who's getting their jugs out? The press gallery. They love it. They put on their overalls and one of the buttons comes off and they've got the straw in their mouth and they start jigging back and forth because, holy shit, some politicians... are go- They're fucking piggies for it, McLean. They love it. They're all... Press gallery are farmers and they're all just... They're having a hoedown when a cabinet shake-up happens because some politicians are going to be taken from one area that isn't their area of expertise and give and they're put in charge of a whole other t- part of Australia that also isn't their area of expertise. And this time... What's- <laughs> Everyone's been misbehaving very badly. What are you going to do about it, Scott Morrison? Well, everyone <laughs> swapped jobs. Everything's okay now. <laughs> <laughs> this one in particular is one of the most cynical and genuinely fucking weird, like, soundbite-ready set of portfolios that I've seen. Um, So, all right. So now we have a uh, Minister for Women, which is Maurice Payne. Um, which Marissa I Payne, is it? Yeah, the Prime Marissa. Minister for Women, apparently. <laughs> yeah, which like the there is so much to it. Again, McLean, I'm very sorry, but I'm going to stick to my um, tried and true method of not looking up their actual names and not giving a fuck. Um, but <laughs> by giving someone a portfolio called the Minister for Women, Scott Morrison is implying that he wasn't actually before that. But then also he went to, <laughs> to go in, in in a sense she's the she's the Prime Minister for Women, and people were just like, no, that's you. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm the Prime Minister for men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And so there's been a whole bunch of other shakeups, which again, just strikes me as like when Angus Taylor is put in charge of the environment and in charge of water flow, or when Christian Porter is making decisions on defamation law. So now we've got um, women in those new portfolios, like Liberal MP Anne Rustin, who's now the Minister for Women's Safety... Who in October 2020, as the social services minister, was the one you may remember who said the government doesn't need a definition of poverty when deciding how to allocate social security. And this is despite the fact that single mothers and women over 50 are the fastest growing demographic of unemployed people and homeless people in this country. And that people fleeing from domestic violence, one of the biggest problems they often face is that if they leave their partner, they have economic insecurity. She is now the Minister for Women's Safety. Pretty good. It's it's a specific choice of women that they've had for these portfolios who have had like, you know, long track records of being specifically harmful to women in their previous yep. portfolios. But the thing is, the weird thing is, is that I don't actually think it's a deliberate choice of who they've who they put in their various portfolios. I just think that, mm. the, you know, in the LNP, um, in terms of sitting MPs and senators, um, there are lots of women who have done terrible things. And, yeah, th- like, you know, there's lots of men and women who have done terrible things. And it I- just so happens that the small percentage of women have all just done the most incredibly fucked up things that have specifically well- impoverished women and, you know, um, castigated women into, you know, terrible situations in this country. I think you pick any cabinet member at random. Yeah, this is the thing. This exercise that I'm doing right now is a little bit unfair because they are liberal politicians. They're all terrible. I I agree that it's not overtly deliberate. Like, they don't go, you know, who would be the most cynical choice for, you know, Minister for Women's Safety? It's definitely a deliberate choice of women, though. It 100% is. Mm. But I think it's deliberate so far as the Liberal Party see these as actually exemplar efforts in those Mm. fields. Angus Taylor being <laughs> fucked on the environment is just a really good Liberal MP being really good on the environment from a Liberal point of view. So, of that course, he gets it, those portfolios. It comes back to the, 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 the secret jobs versus the real jobs there. Yeah. Where it's like they're all keeping their roles and they're like just getting shuffled around between roles of roughly equal levels of power because they've all served a Liberal Party really well. Mm. And the Liberal Party apparatus wants to reward them for consistently dodging accountability, for consistently funneling money into Liberal Party coffers and, you know, the pockets of their mates. Like, they are very good at their jobs. This is, like, the barest possible expression of how quotas and representation is bullshit to an extent, in that women are perfectly capable of acting against their own interests you know, women of colour are perfectly capable of acting against their own interests. I think that yeah, it's, I think that generally speaking, quotas are really good. It forces the company or whatever to actually make an effort to look outside the really narrow range of sort of yeah. hiring profiles or whatever that they're, they're usually going by. But the thing is, regardless of what quotas the Liberal Party has the the restriction that they consistently have in place more so than hiring white people or hiring men or whatever is hiring the most baseless fucking sociopaths in the world <laughs> and so they're like all right we've got a new quota we're going to be hiring only women and we're making sure to interview only the most cooked women <laughs> with the most hate 
in their disgusting hearts mm. that the, 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 the nature can produce. Those are the only people. Like, it, it doesn't matter about quotas for the Liberal Party because they are an evil structure. Yeah. <laughs> they will only be hiring evil people ever. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. 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 It is facile to say, but just think of it in terms of like you know quotas for the Nazi Party. Would that have yeah. fixed anything? No. There is a line that you can draw. You, you, <laughs> okay. You're going to pull it back a little bit. Yeah. And I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the Liberal Party are the Nazi Party. I'm just saying that there are some very obvious parallels, like we talked about <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> with neo-Nazis, they haven't the had as many opportunities as the as the Nazi Party. <laughs> but by yeah, God, and- they're working on it. That, yeah, so it is just a, it, it's one of those weird craven moments of the Liberal Party putting on a show for the press gallery and it is something to talk about and then a few women get elevated, but they get elevated in hell. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, you've become, you've, you've become a more powerful type of demon. Cool, I guess. Doesn't actually help women. We have to um, mention a special mention in terms of like the worst possible uh, choices here uh, is the Liberal Party Vice President Tina McQueen in a backroom mm. meeting saying that she would quote unquote kill to be sexually harassed at the moment. Like this is the kind of like you know category of women that we're dealing with. <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> that's it, it. It is fucking wild. It's just yeah. I think it's 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 also funny to point out that that this cabinet shuffle happened partly because a lot of the people in the cabinet have been accused of some really fucked shit and he shuffled the roles around but he didn't actually take anybody out of the cabinet like christian porter still has a cabinet position he hasn't been moved to the backbench and so i just ah like everyone on the lnp backbench are also horrible ghouls but i gotta really wonder if they're like what the fuck Am I like? Am I? Am what I do we have to do? Position the Christian <laughs> fucking Porter. Spare a thought for the upwardly mobile LNP politicians <laughs> mm. who just really thought that <sighs> these controversies would be their chance at cabinet. But no, no, no. The ones that we got are the best ones, even now. <laughs> See, that's that's the thing as well. You know, the liberal backbenchers like that is how they operate. It's just like just biding my time, just waiting for the next yep. scandal. Here we go, nom, 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 leaking nom. stuff to the press. Yeah, what exactly. Backrounding back against Morrison is like here we go. Well, I mean, this is the thing as well. The Liberal Party is made up of essentially like like regional warlords and bandits, <laughs> and like they do all work like that. They are always <laughs> leaking stuff to the press about each other. They are always backstabbing. But like most right wing organisations, they present a united front most of the time, and that's that's just how they operate. It is. It is exactly how, like, those high fantasy, like, evil courts run. Like, you know, the <laughs> the unseely and the Feywild, you guys know. Um, yeah. Of just, like, <laughs> just, like, it's all manipulation and backstabbing with these fake smiles up front. And, yeah, now they're sitting there like, what the fuck? What? Oh, I'm going to go join the Labor Party. This is atrocious. It's just the thing of, like, you know, they all hate each other so much, but... They hate poor people and they hate black people and they hate women a lot more. And that's the thing that they can all unite over. Yeah, the Liberal Party is better unity on those things alone. They do. <laughs> Right-wing dirty solidarity is something that somehow the left needs to take good lessons from. I don't... Yeah. Like, I think it's, this is a whole discussion. So, so the right wing have dirty solidarity with a whole bunch of people who are evil in all the different ways, but they all support right wing ideology. So the left need to get mm. better at supporting people with left wing ideology. I think we're seeing that from the left wing perspective. But right wing solidarity is like, sure, but then you have the Protestants and the Catholics murdering each other because they interpret the Bible differently. So like, I don't think their solidarity is 
as strong as you think, but I, I think it just operates in a different way. Shout out to all our Irish yeah. listeners. <laughs> Maybe there's a real thing to be said there. It was like, yeah, so if we've got like, I don't think it's dirty solidarity because they look at people just being corrupt and extremely horrible and just being like, What's the problem? Actually, yeah, it's, it's just solidarity. They just don't care about the <laughs> stuff we care about. Yeah, th- their version of dirty solidarity, you're right, Lang. It is just like, ooh, ooh, he believes in transubstantiation, but I guess I'll let that settle <laughs> for now because we've got some poor people to, to crush. Yeah. Oh, I the, guess. The thing is, and this is one that I'll always come back to, is, is it, like you, you look at the stuff that Andrew Lamming has done, right? Like the time he stayed Where- up the top of Uluru to be the last person there before it shut, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, you look at like all the crazy shit that Andrew Lamming has done. He has been in Parliament for ages, and he is remaining in Parliament. They they didn't kick him out. They're just like, well, he's not going to contest the next election. Blah 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 blah. And you sort of have this thought of like, what does he have to do to actually get kicked out? And I guarantee that if Andrew Lamming went on the TV today and said, what Australia needs is urgent, drastic reduction in burning fossil fuels, <laughs> he would be gone by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gina Reinhardt would ring up, she would she would she would make that call she wouldn't even and have he to. would be mysteriously killed. Yeah. She would <laughs> Andrew Lamming shot himself in the back seventeen times today. Just just imagine a Liberal Party yeah. MP getting up and just unambiguously being like trans rights. Yeah. Th- th- they'd be gone. Right, we need a treaty. We need to give people like we need to give the indigenous people their land back. Like any of these things, they would be gone immediately. It's like yeah. there's not like oh, there's no threshold for what bad things a liberal MP can do before they'll get kicked out. There absolutely is. It just isn't the shit that we care about. Yeah, they can do any amount of horrendous crimes because they don't care about horrendous crimes. They are chill with those. The things that they care about and the things that you will get kicked out of the the, the liberal party for is. <laughs> Caring about people <laughs> is, is it's worrying the status quo. <laughs> He's got empathy. Get him. <laughs> That's his weakness. <laughs> I want to call out two takes on this cabinet shuffle. One is from the leader of the opposition. Ooh. Anthony Albanese posted a fire tweet, which was <laughs> <laughs> I'm so depressed already. <laughs> Shuffling the deck won't change the bad hand that the Morrison government is dealing Australians. Shut the fuck up! And then he then shut he up back and put his hands on his hips, and he was like, "Yep, that's got ah. it." I make myself a Tetley's. <laughs> slow motion I, walks over to the kitchen. Why can't you just say changing the cabinet won't stop these people being fucked? Well, you could, but not if you're in Labor. Um, an example of a good take is Grace Tame. Who fucking went in on it? Mm. Yeah, she said all the stuff that that needed saying by anyone who gave a shit. Like he's either ignorant of the cultural issues at hand, or he understands them completely and is making calculated moves to perpetuate them. There you go, Grace. Just hey? fantastic. What we are seeing is further abuse of power, masterfully disguised as progress. Yes! The same psychological manipulation at the heart of these recently exposed evils. See, but it's easy. Now, Lang, can you can you rewrite that uh, in a way that sort of couches all of those points behind kind of nonsensical metaphors? I- <laughs> when, when you try and, and kick the ball uh, and you don't quite and you bounce it off the post, okay, you 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 
you're watching from the sidelines. You nah, you can't. Yeah, I'm voting for Labor, Lang. You've done it. Thank you. <laughs> this, the the this thing is that card. when you become Australian of the Year, that gives you an official license to only be nice to the Prime Minister. So now Grace Tame is going to have that license revoked. Well, yeah, yeah this is the Lord. thing. Jono's, of course, went in on her because they are running the the state propaganda campaign. When when do you have a license to attack our nation's leader? Um, you always do. That's a democracy. That was the almost verbatim quote there, Kylie Lang at the Courier Mail. No relation. No relation. I, I presume. Uh, <laughs> she, she she put up a piece. Since when does being Australian of the Year give you a license to personally attack our nation's leader? Which one? It's not a personal attack on our nation's leader. It was a criticism of a move by the Prime Minister. Mm -hmm. Uh, Secondly, like, since since when does being a fucking muckraking reporter give you licence to personally attack the Australian of the Year, Kylie Lang? Like, but also, you're allowed. Like, Anyone can say whatever they want unless they've got enough money for a defamation suit, <laughs> and then you better shut the fuck up. Like, I don't e- I, like. I don't want to answer the question, but I will. Like, Grace Tame was an Australian, so she's in a democracy. So that's the whole point: is that she can personally attack, and she can personally attack our prime minister. She didn't, but she also can do that. She should be allowed to do that. But also. If you're the, uh, unfortunately, Australian of the Year, we've gone into that about why that's usually bad, but in this instance, you know, broken clock. But Oh, no, we haven't actually she- gone into Australian of the Year. That's the oh, Order, Order of Australia. Australia. Very yeah, different uh, thing. I get, them, I get them mixed up because, again, I don't care. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but like the Australian of the Year is a person that gets a platform. So her, more than anyone, has a license to make a tax against the leadership of the nation. You, yeah. And she got yeah. the Australian of the Year for making those attacks in the fucking first place. She's very good at this. This is her whole thing. We went, you're the best person in Australia to do this. And now the media's going, oh, but should she be doing this? Yes, we decided unequivocally. She was the best all year. We gave her a medal for speaking out about sexual violence. Oh, my God. This is why I don't read the Courier Mail. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> I don't read it because it's got a paywall. I'm not going to give them money. <laughs> All this whole segment's just been off the headline and nothing else, by the way. <laughs> the thing with Australian of the Year is that they, in recent years, though, they've actually made it. It does appear they've made a concerted effort to actually pick really good people that represent the Australian populace. Like, for example, a previous um, recipient of Australian of the Year was Rosie Batty. Um, so it it is a weird conundrum in which there have been really good picks, um, you know, doctors, um, you know, representatives of the community. I know that during the, Howard year- <laughs> during the Howard years, there were loads of sports people that were picked and it was always like a bit of a joke that like, oh, yeah, Ricky Ponting's like the Australian of the Year or whatever. Um, but it does it, – like it, despite um, a conservative government, like they have picked someone who – like Grace Tame is a remarkable woman. You know, and she's saying yeah. all like she's saying everything from her heart, and I know she truly believes this, and she is right to criticize the prime minister at such a time like this, considering that this is what she her her activism is about. Of course, she has the right to criticize the prime minister. Mm. It's, it doesn't even have like bear like any sort of analysis about like even as a as a private citizen, everyone has the right to, and in her specific position, she is perhaps more of a right than any one of us. Um, I, have a, I have a tangent, but I just hopped on Wikipedia. And guess who was the chair of the National Australia Day Council? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Andrew Lavin. <laughs> From 2014 <laughs> to 
2017. <laughs> it wasn't Andrew Lamming. Oh, Damn so it. we're lucky there. Who else have we talked about this episode? Oh. Christian Porter. It was fucking Ben Robert Smith. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a joke? Chair of are the you, National you, Australia Day Council from 2014 right now? Like, to 2017. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm so done. sorry. I'm so We're closing done. on that. <laughs> We're closing on that. Incredible. Incredible. Oh <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like, it's just like... It's just wet. Fucking wild. <laughs> oh my god. Holy fucking shit. Oh boy. Listener, this is unplanned. You're listening to live Wikipedia <laughs> research here. <laughs> oh boy. Actions this week. <laughs> Speak out about shit that is bad. Read Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Speak out about shit that's bad. And secondly, if you hear somebody else speaking out about shit that's bad, be like, yeah. Yeah. But like out loud, <laughs> publicly. It's good. Encourage them. Yeah. And read Wikipedia. Yeah, read more Wikipedia, everyone. Get on Wikipedia. <laughs> another shout out this week. There is another rally, for fuck's sake, about First Nations deaths in custody. This one, Saturday, the 10th of April, Steps of Parliament in Melbourne at 1pm. It's been 30 years since the Royal Commission into this shit, and it is still not stopping. So there is a National Day of Action. If you're not in Melbourne, look it up. But uh, for the Melbourne one, Saturday, 10th of April, 1pm at Parliament. And I think if you can get there, it's a moral imperative that you do so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another action, if you haven't taken it this week, is to go over to the Tomorrow Movement's webpage and sign their petition, get involved in the campaign to get rid of Joel Fitzgibbon. Um, you can listen to last week's episode. We do a deep dive on Joel Fitzgibbon and why he's totally shit. Um, but the Tomorrow Movement are running a really good campaign at the moment to essentially force Labor... Uh, wedge Labour, in the parlance, to get rid of Joel Fitzgibbon. And if we know anything about the Labour Party, it's that they fucking love being wedged. So <laughs> get involved with that. It should work out really well. Uh, download uh, the the GIMP uh, photo manipulation software and just oh. start getting your practice in for, like, photoshopping up uh, 100 points of ID to use on social media. <laughs> it's not hard. There's no way you're going to need a notarized thing. You'll be sending a JPEG of a driver's license to some, like, incredibly overwhelmed moderation queue. You'll absolutely get through. Photoshop it up. Let's do a five-way face morph of all of our faces and send yeah. that in. <laughs> um, shout out if you haven't already played Disco Elysium. Good game. It's a good game. And there's a special edition that was in the Steam store this week, I think. I need to update mine before they take it from the store. Like, for real. Like <laughs> Dis Disco Elysium is one of the best games I've ever played in my life. I highly, highly recommend it. And there was an update slash um, version for consoles that was refused classification because, like I said, one of the things you can do it is split a bag of Coke with a kid. And so they went, you can't release it in Australia. And so uh, the Epic Game Store, GOG.com, and Steam just went, nah. And you can still get it there. So do that. Um, <laughs> And if you're on console, I feel really bad for you because it's a fucking good game. But sit tight. You'll probably get a watered down baby's first Disco Elysium version of it. And you should be a real gamer and play on a PC. And I'm one of them. <laughs> they tried to send the AFP to raid the internet. Uh, and they couldn't find it. Uh, thanks for thanks again for listening. Let's go. <laughs> 
Thanks again for listening to Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us at Not Good Pod on all the socials or email us at notgoodpod at protomail.com. One thing I was thinking of, just to make it super, super clear, mm-hmm. Proton Mail is like secure mail. So if you've got some like juicy shit to send us, start your own Proton Mail and then email us there. And it's, mm-hmm. it's hidden and yeah. good. I'm not sure what we do about it, but we love to hear the gossip. Uh, yeah. Oh, we love gossip. We might, uh, that, uh, Yeah, that's not for any episode. I just mean like we really want to hear some juicy we shit. We just want to know. <laughs> It'd let us get the funny tweets like really worked out for when an actual journalist breaks it. <laughs> <laughs> no, send me, send, me, send me some defo I'll say it, I don't give a fuck <laughs> I'll do it on the drum though And then we can talk it about on it drum. on the podcast <laughs> I don't think you have parliamentary privilege on the drum Not yet Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation We pay our respects to their elders past and present And acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded